Welcome to the Good Cities Podcast with news and information about city movements around the world. Brought to you by GoodCities.net. In this episode, Reggie McNeil discusses raising your collaborative IQ. Any city movement that achieves significant results requires collaboration among a variety of players. However, this doesn't come naturally. It has to be practiced. Reggie describes the key elements that leaders should know about collaborative cultures, how they work, and how they're maintained. This is Glenn Barth, the president of Good Cities, and I'm here today with our city coach, Reggie McNeil. And uh, we're going to be talking about one of our core values with Good Cities, which is building a collaborative culture. We believe collaboration is central to kingdom work. Reggie, welcome to today's uh, podcast. It's good to be with you, Glenn. And you're right, collaborative cultures are the seedbeds for the initiatives that allow groups in cities across various domains to create initiatives that really move the needle on big societal issues. And that's what we want to do. We want to help people do that city by city, community by community, neighborhood by neighborhood if we can. But there are things that we need to remember about what makes a collaborative culture distinctive. Most of us were not raised with uh, or or groomed to be collaborative. We've been taught how to be competitive. We've taught how to cooperate maybe. We've taught how to vision cast and how to recruit people onto our teams to get certain things done. But collaboration is a different competency and it requires, I think, some, some fundamental understandings I like to call them axioms, really, for collaborative culture. So I think we just talk through these. How's that sound? Well, I think it sounds great. And uh, Reggie, I know that uh, this has been a topic that's been a key area as you've been thinking about how Christians act missionally in our world. Yeah, it's really important. Um, we were designed to be collaborative. Uh, God is collaborative in his very nature. And so the more we can collaborate, I think we actually are giving expression to the image of God in us. But uh, as in so many areas, we have to, you know, uh, whack through a lot of weeds that have grown up around this. So here, here, here we go. I know people listening to this, you're so anxious for us to get to it. So here we are. Number one, um, influence in a collaborative culture. Influence is personal, not just positional. In the old world, in bureaucratic, uh, hierarchical worlds, whatever title you had, whatever budget you controlled, uh, whatever uh, gatekeeper you were, that those really were positions of, of power and influence. Well, I'm not suggesting that those don't matter. That would be completely naive. But what I am suggesting is that in a collaborative culture, influence is also personal. Do people like you? <laughs> uh, are you investing in them? Do they feel some reciprocity uh, in their engagement with you? And uh, the key word here is with. I mean, we are with people. That's the incarnational piece. And so we have to pay attention to relationships in in a collaborative culture. And uh, I remember speaking to a, a group of Air Force generals some years ago, and they were wanting to combat suicide in the, in the Air Force, and they realized there was something missing in their culture. And um, that particular year, the number of deaths by suicide had actually eclipsed deaths in combat. And so uh, very wisely, these wing commanders were thinking about what do we need to build in. And one of the things we talked about uh, when we were together was the importance 
of leadership, not just being like like generals and and colonels and and, and hierarchical. I mean, high up the chain, need to be more available, more personal. Uh, I was just trying to make the pitch to them that these young men and women uh, needed more personal investment. This is why they they were lonely. They were feeling isolated, which you know is a hotbed for uh, unfortunately for suicide. And so that's a tough change to make in our minds. Sometimes we think simply because of our uh, the information we have, the expertise we possess, that that ought to be enough. People just should you know read the command and do it. So the first one, and that's really important, we spent more time on it than we will the others, is because this is foundational. You have to go into collaboration, understanding that, that the, the capacity is going to be tied to the weight limit of the relationships, mm-hmm. uh, like a bridge weight limit. I mean, what can you roll across that bridge? There are, uh, there are four more that I want to talk about, and I'll do this more quickly. Uh, the second uh, axiom is that trust is the currency of collaborative teams. I mean, that's what you have to spend. And you can see how closely related to the first axiom this is. Uh, you're building trust. You're building a bank account. And I can tell you that bank account can be built over time, uh, and it takes time. It can be wiped out in, in just a, a, a very short time. Uh, I remember we were working with a group on a school initiative, and there was a, 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 a piece of information or a, really a marketing piece that went out to area churches mm-hmm. explaining the need for the churches to get involved in the schools. The problem was the schools saw that mm-hmm. as, um, as an indictment on their failure uh, in the areas of literacy. So uh, that trust that had been mm-hmm. built suddenly was wiped out because they didn't know what were we trying to do here. And it took months to rebuild. And that's the thing I would say. If you realize trust has been violated, uh, don't let the sun go down on it. Just like uh, Mm -hmm. anger, go to work on it right away. And it took months of coffees and dinners and reassurances to rebuild that trust bank account. Hmm. The third uh, axiom is communication is the lifeblood of com- collaborative efforts. I mean, if trust is what you have to spend, I can tell you communication is what keeps you alive. I mean, and, it's, and that has to flow. Uh, and and what's, what's such a challenge in an information age is that no one knows anything. I mean, you know, if I were doing a, uh, a, a deep dive work, uh, you know, consulting with any organization, it always comes out in our focus groups, no one knows what's going on around here. And that always terrifies the leadership because they've spent so much time trying to get communication. So when you think about communication, that's not just one way, is it? I mean, it's it's give and take. Absolutely. To communicate well, uh, both parties have to not only be able to try to say what they really think uh, and reveal, become vulnerable and reveal part of their heart, but also we have to be good listeners as well and be able to listen and hear a position that may not be easy for us to hear at times. Yeah. Feedback loops, multiple feedback loops, redundant feedback loops, all that has to be built in. And you're right, that requires more listening than telling. And so if we just look at uh, a collaborative effort as our way to get some people to help us get something done, 
we don't go in with that uh, that appreciative listening, that that openness, the tolerance that you're talking about. That's really critical um, at, at all levels. So when you when you think about that, Reggie, there, there's a difference between collaboration and cooperation. When we want people to cooperate with us, it's more of a top-down kind of thing, isn't it? But when we want people to collaborate, it's peer-to-peer. Well, that's right. And no one works as hard for someone else's goal or objective as they work for their own. Hmm. This is a fundamental rule of human nature. And so often when we are trying to uh, cooperate, or if we try to collaborate, but people just get the idea, we've already decided what needs to happen. We're really just seeking their cooperation, uh, or we're just trying to coordinate efforts. Uh, Both of those fall way short of collaboration, and we will get the requisite amount of energy. Uh, It'll drop because folks aren't going to work for our projects like they would for their own. And they they may feel manipulated at that point instead of really being heard and uh, us acting on something we agree on. That's true. So the expectations then need to be clear up front about uh, what the communication lines are, uh, what is, uh, and, and that takes me really to my next point, which is you've got to practice um, and really promote mutual accountability. I mean, that's built in this all the way through. Trust is mutual accountability, uh, you know, personal influence. Everything relies on mutual accountability. Everyone has to be accountable. And the best thing to do about that is to get those expectations clearly laid out on the front end. Here's what I can expect from you. Here's what you can expect from me. Uh, here's what we will do if things break down, you know, so that so that we're not caught in a in a in a place where folks are feeling like we are not being transparent, or we're trying to hide something, or uh, place blame, you know, the finger pointing that goes on when inevitably in every collaborative effort something goes uh, awry. How are we going to handle that? And um, and so all of those things really rely. I think on the sense from everyone that we're all leaning in on the table. No one here is above accountability. In fact, we all uh, we all promote accountability is our best way forward. And that and that often means that you're having to deal with multiple constituencies. Uh, you have to be accountable not just as a team to each other, but if you're working with an let's say an educational institution or healthcare whoever those uh, clients or constituent members are that are involved in the process, there has to be accountability with them and to them uh, as well. I always think accountability in a collaborative relationship is more difficult than in uh, a singular organization where you've got control, you've got a sense of what goals we're trying to achieve, and then you measure folks' performance against those things. When we're in a collaborative relationship, who measures this? Well, again, that's why the expectations need to be set up. The scorecard needs to be set up in mm-hmm. such a way that you honor that kind of accountability, that you don't encourage um, people to hide uh, when something goes wrong or you know, to brush things under the, the rug uh, or whatever, because we're not going to make the progress we need if we're not all accountable. To report whatever's going on, you know, and then we, as a group, we can make mid-course adjustments or corrections. 
but you can't do that if uh, if there's not accountability. I mean, right now in my own state, uh, there's a, an enormous uh, challenge because of a utility company uh, that's uh, you know many people feel I have soaked the constituents of our state billions of dollars. Uh, for uh, a project that's never going to see the light of day, in fact, has been shut down. Well, who's responsible for that? Of course, right now it's highly political and everything else. But what is clear is, and I have friends on uh, involved in this on both sides, on all sides. What is clear is that there was no mutual accountability, mm. and so right now people who feel like they weren't in the loop uh, is, are sharpening, uh, beating their plowshares into swords, and they're going after. And, and it could uh, put an entire company out of business. I don't know how it's going to work out. Well, what's the fifth uh, principle here? And, uh, well, that you've got to, it, it, and it falls on the, uh, right on the heels of the fourth one. When you run into roadblocks, um, in fact, if you anticipate roadblocks, those have to be confronted. And oftentimes when I'm with a group, I just have them name some of the roadblocks to collaboration. And here's what typically comes out, egos. I mean, I know that's a shock to us that some people uh, try to power up on other folks or we've got folks that want to take credit for a group thing or, or actually duck credit if something goes wrong. Um, we also have roadblocks of, of folks that uh, kind of have a non-invented here uh, attitude. In other words, if they always have to be the smartest person in the room or they always have to be uh, the person that has the brightest idea, that's a real roadblock. Uh, to uh, to collaboration, uh, values clash. Uh, if, if values don't line up, then that's a roadblock to collaboration. If control, uh, if there are controllers in the system, uh, those have to be addressed. Uh, they have to be called out, particularly as they uh, both passive controllers and aggressive controllers. You have to call it out. Um, there there are some folks who have a need to be a hero. Uh, again, that has to be called out. These are just some of the more common uh, roadblocks to collaboration, poor communication, the other stuff that we've mentioned already. So I think those are five key axioms. If I could just repeat those real quickly. Influence is personal, not just positional. Trust is your currency for the collaborative process. Communication is the lifeblood of collaborative efforts. Mutual accountability has to be both promoted and practice and then you have to address roadblocks to collaboration then i always think of one more i always tell people there are five and then i sneak one in and it's to and it's really adopt the attitude of the three p's you have to have patience you have to have perseverance well persistence and you have to have perseverance because collaboration is always harder always takes longer and will try your soul because it is it is the highest level of, uh, it seems to me, the highest expression of community exp- uh, community engagement is, is a collaborative effort. And that's why it's so difficult to do. But everyone here listening to this podcast is going to go do it. When we come down to it, Reggie, what's the real power of collaborative leadership? Well, it amplifies. The, the in, it amplifies what you're trying to get done in terms of your message, uh, it, it, it accelerates your results and, um, and it really, uh, it, it just helps you to, 
uh, in sustainability that you're going that because you have so many people who have skin in the game, they're going to be more attentive to make sure that the project or initiative or whatever it is uh, is taken care of because they own a piece of it. Hmm. Well, this has been great to hear. I know it's fabulous. I mean, I've never, I've never heard this. this. (laughs) As usual, Reggie's bringing his humor into things. Well, this has been a podcast with Good Cities with our city coach, Reggie McNeil. And uh, this is Glenn Barth, the president of Good Cities. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to the Good Cities podcast. We hope you'll subscribe and listen in on future episodes. To get more information about Good Cities, join our email list, or to find out how to get involved in making your city a good city, visit goodcities.net.